We are continuing on in 1 John. Uh, we're going to talk this morning about what happens when we're saved with our relationship with the Father. And last week we talked about the command to love thy neighbor, how it's a new command and it's an old command. We talked about what that meant. Later in 1 John 2, chapter, or verse 15, John continues the love theme and he writes this, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world... The love of the Father is not in Him. This morning, as we continue in chapter 3, I'm gonna, we're going to talk about what He means when He says the love of the Father. What does that mean? I think there is probably... There are few more vivid contrasts in this world between the love of the Father and the love of this world than abortion and adoption. Abortion says... You are mine biologically. You are mine naturally. But I want to kill you because you're an inconvenience to me. The heart of adoption culture says you are not mine naturally. And I will give my life so that you are mine. There is not in my mind a more vivid, stark contrast between the way the Father loves and the way our world loves. That's why I think adoption is at the heart of the Gospel. When Kelly and I adopted, you know, I found it so easy to talk about my babies and then to just weave right into the Gospel. Because it's the, 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 the theme of adoption is right at the core of who I am as a Christian. Because I've been adopted. I was a spiritual orphan. And so this morning we're going to talk about what it means when John says the love of the Father. If you can stand for the reading of God's Word. 1 John chapter 3 verses 1 through 10. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. That we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He does appear, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that He appeared in order to take away sins, and in Him there is no sin. No one who abides in Him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen Him or known Him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Let's pray. Lord, this morning teach us what it means when you say, You've adopted us into your family. Teach us the beauty and the remarkable power what you did when you made rebels your relatives. 
Give us, give us a sense of the depth of your love in bringing your enemies into your own family. Lord, increase our love this morning by looking at the way you first loved us. And all these things we ask in your son's name. Amen. When Kelly... Amen. When Kelly and I were finalizing our adoption, we had the kids for like six months before they were like 100% ours. They were like 99.9% ours, but they weren't 100%. And Kelly and I were really dreading... It wasn't that we didn't consider them our babies. They were our babies. But according to the state of Florida, they weren't 100% ours. And most people have to come back to the county that you adopted them to so that you can actually have that ruling where they say they are now, according to the state of Florida, they're your babies. Well, we finagled it. Well, Kelly actually finagled it so that we didn't have to go back. We did, we did it on a, like a little telefeed, a little video, con- or uh, what's the word? Yeah, we, we phoned them in. So we did. So we did it in my office. And I will never forget, it was kind of awkward because we couldn't see the judge, but we're talking to a judge. Got to, he has to, he's the one that has to preside over this thing. I keep looking at Ken for some reason, I don't know why. Um, and I will never forget what the judge said when he said that my babies were my babies. He didn't say, hey, y'all parents now. He didn't say, hey, uh, you now, Roman Ruby are yours. He didn't didn't say that. What he said, he said, I'll never forget, he said, they are now the legal heirs to your estate. That's what he said. And I just couldn't help but think, that's exactly what happens in the gospel. He declared, this judge was declaring that everything, all the rights and all the privileges of the Todd name are now Roman and Ruby's. I mean, there's not a lot of privileges there, but if there were there, they're theirs. They're going to find that out later. In verse 1, John's saying, God didn't just save you from hell. He didn't just justify you before the Father. He didn't just redeem you. He adopted you. He made you the legal heirs to His kingdom. That's how deep the Father's love is for us. He's not just our God. He's not just our King. He's not just our Lord. He's not just our friend. He's our Father. You know, if you, if you compare the Old Testament language and New Testament language, comparatively, the, the, the description, the language of God, describing God as Father is not really that much in the Old Testament. But we find it everywhere in the New Testament. Verse 1, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. What an incredibly magnificent honor it is to call our Creator and our Lord Father. We're sons and daughters of the Most High King. This isn't just a church. This is a family. This is what this is. And we're going to talk... This isn't just, this isn't just pithy spiritual talk. This is real. Christians aren't just God's servants. We're His offspring. And when we're born again, we're born again into a real family. God took rebels and made them relatives. But if you're not careful, you can miss the last, you can miss the four words in the middle of verse 1. And I'm going to read them. See what kind of love the Father has given to us 
that we should be called children of God, and so we are. Do you see that? And so we are. I can't help think that John's putting that there, meaning God didn't just call it so, He's not just declaring it so, it's so. It's real. There have been a couple times where people come up to my wife and I, and they'll go, oh, those are, are they adopted? And like, yeah, yeah, they're adopted. <laughs> but every once in a while, see, that's funny. You can just kind of, yeah, that's right. We even had a couple people like, oh, they look just like you. And they're like, all right, sure. Um, but every once in a while, we'll get people go, so where are your real kids? Now, after I've got to like fan away the like flames coming from my wife's ears at that point, and after I just kind of like, oh, what I really want to tell them is these are my children. This isn't fake. See, what, that, what they're really saying is, oh, those are your adopted children, but, but um, where are your real ones? I hope our Heavenly Father, when we get to judgment and we're waiting outside the gates of heaven, I, I'm hoping He doesn't say, where are my real children at? Because as Christians, you better hope that your life and your eternity and your soul is staked on the reality and the authenticity of the adoption. Amen. It's not fake. It's real. When I introduce Roman and Ruby, I don't go, hey, these are my babies according to the state of Florida. They're my babies. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God and so we are. We're His real children. That's not just some thing you slap on a Hallmark card. We're adopted in Christ. We are His children in Christ. Every right, every privilege, every honor, every blessing in the family of God is bestowed upon you when you receive the blessings of Christ according to His merits, according to His work. You receive the kingdom. We were orphans, y'all. We're going to talk about what that means for the people out there who don't know Jesus. Now we're heirs. We're royalty. He clothes us in royal robes. Christ's robes. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 10 through 11 says this For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. Think about that. We don't just call Jesus king, we don't just call him Lord, we don't just call him God. We call Jesus brother. That's profound. We have the same Father. Think about that, church. This church here is a group of former idolaters, enemies of God, haters of God, rebels, wretched sinners that God not only reconciled to Himself through the blood of Jesus, but He collected us and made us His children. Amen. We're a family. Because our adoption is real, this is real. And, and when I'm telling you all that, I've got to tell myself that. This isn't just, hey, you know, she's my, when we say that, we go, hey, she's my sister in Christ. Do you believe that? Because she is. 
Men, this should affect the way you speak about a woman who shares your daddy. Women, that man who's in Christ, he's your brother. You see, this church isn't like a country club with friends that we picked out. It's brothers and sisters that God picked out for us. He brought enemies and He made them His children. He brought us together as natural enemies, some of us. we got Georgia Tech and, and, and Bulldog fans in here. I'm kidding, that's a bad joke. So. But you know what I'm saying. A lot of us have nothing in common. Very few, at least. Some of us, I mean, really. But we come together because we got the same daddy. This is a family. See what kind of love. What he's saying is, this is a, see what kind of love. This is radical, crazy love. There is no other love on this earth like that of the Father. God made criminals His children. God loved us when our hearts naturally hated Him. It wasn't because of anything in us. It was because of how great and loving He is. Roman and Ruby one day, when they grow up, hopefully not now, one day they're gonna. We got him. We got him a, a, a daddy put together his first toy last night. It was like a little little tykes. My wife's already put it up on there. Some half of y'all probably already seen it on social media. And I'm already enjoying the just the fatherhood, you know. And one of these days I'm gonna have to maybe ask. They're gonna ask me, Daddy, why did you adopt us? I thought about that recently. Why? You didn't have me. I'm not yours biologically. Why? Why'd you come all the way to Jacksonville and pick up me, me and Ruby? It wasn't because they chose me. It certainly wasn't because I liked their work ethic or you know that that, that I knew they would choose me. It's not because they had any trait or last name or characteristic. I chose them because I wanted them. And they can't look farther than that. It has to stop there. They are going to have to rest in the fact that somehow I was led to want them. I wanted them for them. Some of these adoptions and foster parents, you know, the kids will ask them that. That's kind of why it's in my head is a lot of people I've heard ask, the, the kids ask the parents that. And they'll go, well, you know, we were walking through and we just thought you were so pretty. What? Don't ever tell a kid that. Oh, we thought you had the prettiest smile. We thought you looked like us. And some of the kids come back with, what if I didn't smile? What if I didn't look like you? Is my whole adoption, our relationship, based on the fact that I looked like you or I was smiling or somehow better? No. Roman, Ruby, I wanted you. It's the same thing with the Gospel. We live our lives as Christians with the knowledge that He chose us not because of anything we could do, would do, or did. He did it merely by His sovereign grace and pleasure. And that's the Gospel. How deep the Father's love for... I mean, just sing it. Sing it. Because you're not going to find the end. Because no one does that on this earth. Who has ever done that? John 6, 37, Jesus says, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. Meaning, the God that chose to adopt you promises He's going to keep you. And we talked about that a couple weeks ago. 
adoption, God's sovereign adoption of sinners is the gospel. And you can just tell based on that, based on that, why wouldn't we be the most happiest people on earth? We were going to hell, now we're in His family. I mean, you talk about like A to Z, man. John says, the reason why the world does not know us, he goes on, verse 2, the the very end of verse 1 actually, the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Now you know what? That that some people could read that, and that could be a discouraging statement. I don't think God meant that for. Dis- I don't think John meant that to be a discouraging statement. I think John meant that to be an encouragement to us. And this is what I mean. I think John's saying, you know, I know the world looks at you because you're weird, and they look at you because you don't you don't fit in. I think the world is going to persecute you. I know that the world is going to look at you like you're different. But know that it's not just making fun of you; it's hating you because it hates your father. It is so much easier to endure suffering and persecution in this world when we know that it's a family affair. We're not alone. We're ready to be mocked and treated unfairly because we know that the real problem is with our Heavenly Father. That should help us the next time we evangelize to somebody and you go, hey, hey, why don't you come to church? That person at your work, you go, hey, I'm a Christian. Hey, why do you always read your Bible? I have a Lord. I have a Father. That's weird. Oh, you're, you're not one of those like Christian-y Christians, are you? Uh, I mean, I follow after Him. I'm a disciple of Christ. Man, I don't, I don't, don't be that way. I'm not like, I'm not like really, you know, I'm a, I'm a Christian, but I'm not like intense with my faith, you know. Those people that treat you like that, they're doing that and they're saying those things and they're bringing you to that place because they're not just looking at you differently. They've got something up with God. When someone shuns you because you're a Christian, they're shunning your Father. Let's just say it again. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him, Jesus. But John doesn't just stop there. Verses 2 and 3. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what He will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. And everything who thus and every one who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Our adoption as God's children is the ground of our hope. Because it's a real adoption. We're actual children. When God comes back in holiness, there's going to be two different kinds of people. There will be those who are utterly horrified and ashamed to look him at a holy God in the face. And then there will be those who are bowing in adoration and worship and long to see Him as He is. We want to see God as He is. Not not as people say He is. Not even as the Bible describes Him to be. But as He is. If that excites you, you have discovered what it means to have hope. Think about this. In this life, we're asked to walk by faith. But in heaven, we will walk by sight. Isn't that trippy? That's awesome. Amen. Jonathan Edwards said, one of the distinguishing marks of a Christian is someone who has a love for God's holiness. See, this world loves God's love. 
This world loves God's faithfulness. This world is going to love God's mercy and grace as they should. But it takes something supernatural in us to look God in the face and love Him for who He is. We love His justice. We love His holiness. We love His character. Verses 8-10. through 10. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. How many people, raise your hand if you remember where you were on September 11th. Do y'all remember in the days and weeks and months and years after that day, every town hall meeting, every moment of silence at a ball game, Every Pledge of Allegiance, every star-spangled banner was renewed with meaning. Do you remember that? I remember that. Because we understood, we were reminded that the things that we did, the mundane, everyday things that we took for granted there was something, there was a more significant, greater fight beyond ourselves. We didn't just go through the motions anymore. Why? Because we were all Americans. John is doing the exact same thing here for the church. When we evangelize, we're not just bringing people to Haynes Creek. We are plucking people from hell. When we pray for people to come to church, we're not just praying that they have a better life. We're praying that they would come from darkness and come into light. When we gather and worship, we're not just singing, we're coming together and knowing that we have to encourage one another and mind ourselves of our adoption in Christ because if we don't, our souls will go and want to come back into darkness. Everything we do, y'all, it's just like after 9-11, we've got to remind ourselves of the bigger picture. We've got to remind ourselves there's a bigger meaning, there's a bigger fight. We're not just playing church, we're at war. The battle for souls is a cosmic war between God and Satan, and our Heavenly Father has called us to a work with eternal consequences. That child for teachers at school who just so disobedient, so disrespectful, just comes in saying things, that child is a soul that's going to go to hell without Jesus. That worker at your job who cannot stop bad-mouthing people, they're running behind people's backs, they're doing unspeakable things, they are gossiping, they're leading others into sin, that person isn't just a horrible person. They're a soul who needs saving. 
sin isn't just missing the mark. It's cosmic treason against the King of Kings. A lost person isn't somebody just with a bad attitude. They're a soul that needs Jesus or they're going to burn. A church isn't just a building. We're an outpost of the kingdom of God in Oxford. This is what we are. What we're doing has eternal consecuences. I used to be taught, and my, my high school Sunday school teacher, she used to all, she always say, um, I loved her to death. I hate to be using her as a negative example, but she always used to go, hey, we're, you know, we're all children of God. No, we're not. I, get, I think what she was maybe saying is we're all kind of born, so by virtue of our common humanity, we're all brothers and sisters. But I'm going to tell you, that's not what John says. John says, makes it very clear, if you don't believe in the gospel, you're a child of Satan. If you're in, if you're in consistent, unrepentant sin, you are very likely a child of Satan, is what he's saying. When we get baptized, what we're declaring is we have a new daddy. When we say we're born again, what we're really saying is we've been born into a new family. And if your adoption in the family of God doesn't bring you to mourn your own sin because it's a mark against your own father, if it doesn't bring you to confess your unworthiness and to be adopted in the family of God, if it doesn't bring you to humble yourself before a holy God who is your father, if it doesn't daily bring you to your own sin and to worship Him for His love and who He is, if your adoption in Christ doesn't bring you to do that, you're very likely a child of Satan. That's what John's saying. That's heavy, right? Let's just call a spade a spade. That's heavy. My goodness. I used, if, people, if people walked around when I was little and said, they're of the devil, I thought one of two things. They were either quoting the water boy. She the devil. So he's always said we used to say that. You know, it was funny. You know, they were either possessed or they were quoting something. But that's not what John's saying. John's saying, you're either a child of God or you're a child of Satan. And the Apostle Paul says we're all born children of wrath. We must be born again. We must be changed. We must be adopted. Or we must be dispensed with. God is holy and just to hate sin. And God is holy and just to send us all to hell. Think about that. He could do it. He could have really, literally, like, you know, like, for example, when I was working on this sermon, I had to, like, crumple it up and throw it away a couple times. He could have done that with Adam and Eve and gone, hmm. He could do that now. But yet, He continues and persists in this creation thing because He has a plan to renew people and call them sons and daughters. Amen. God has a plan. He didn't just kind of, hey, I think I'll make a world today. Hey, hey, son of God, do you want to, what, you want to name them? I call them Adam and Eve, I guess. Sure. No, God's doing this thing because at the end of it all, He has a plan, and it's called the church, and it's a family. It's time we have, it's time we get away from this innocuous, pitiful view of conversion. Yeah, I made the decision, prayed the prayer, I'm a, I'm a Christian. Your conversion is a decision, but it's not just a decision. 
If we had this cosmic perspective of it all, we would understand that what's happening at salvation isn't just praying a prayer and checking a box. It's being delivered from the fatherhood of Satan to the fatherhood of God. It would give us a heavy sense about, man, we need to get out there and get people saved. Martin Luther said this about the warfare between God and Satan. I had, to, I had to fit a Luther quote because Luther is always talking about God and Satan. You talk about somebody who just had an aerial view of everything. And this is what he says. So man's will is like a beast standing between two riders. If God rides, it will and go where God wills. If Satan rides, it wills and goes where Satan wills. Nor may it choose to which rider it will turn or which it will seek, but the riders themselves fight to decide who shall have and hold it. The greatest battle in the universe is the one being waged between God and the devil. And God has enlisted us as His children to fight that good fight. It's a battle for souls. And this is how John lets us know who are the children of God and children of Satan. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God nor is the one who does not love his brother. If you make a practice of sinning without contrition or without remorse, if you are knee-deep in unrepentant sin and you are unwilling to turn an entire lifetime, you're just simply doing what your daddy taught you to do, and you're in the Satan family. It's like BJ. I had BJ read today out of John 8. What does Christ tell the Pharisees? You're doing what your daddy does, is what he told them. I mean, you, you talk about. You know, I don't know if there was probably ever a point that the Pharisees hated Christ more than when he said that. Because, of course, they're the ones standing on religion. They're the ones standing on teaching other people about the household of God. And he says, You are progeny of Satan. That means if you struggle, here, here's, here's another thing. If you personally. I'm talking to us as a church. If you personally struggle with loving people who don't have your last name or people you're not friends with, if you have a, if you have a struggle loving people for no other reason than just to love them because they don't have anything to give you, you're just, if you struggle with that, that's what Satan does. Satan loves people who can get things for them. Satan loves people who have something to offer him. Satan has a bent. Satan has an agenda. God has none. He says, come here, you criminal. I'm going to make you my child. Roman and Ruby have nothing to offer me but poop and, and eating and leaving their mess everywhere, and I love them to death. There is no earthly reason for me to want, pragmatically speaking, they have nothing to offer me. They don't. But I love them. And if we're looking for some pragmatic reason in heaven, hey God, I know know you didn't really get to this while I was here, but now that we're here, why? You're never going to find that. Because I am love. That's probably what he's going to say. And we'll get to that in chapter 4. Without the sovereign grace of God to adopt rebels and turn them into relatives, we are all children of wrath destined for hell. I want to conclude this message this morning with a story from Revelation 12. 
Revelation chapter 12, verses 13 through 17, if you want to follow. It is only five verses, and I'll read them. True story. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished for a time and at times and half a time. The serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. But the earth came to the help of the woman and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Verse 17, this is one of the most powerful verses in in Revelation. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus, and he stood on the sand of the sea. Now, there have been interpretations of whether this woman is actually... Mary, or if this woman is the church. But the point is this Satan's war with the church, Satan's war with Christ, is an ancient primordial battle that goes back millennia before you and I were born. He hates Christians with a white hot burning anger because he hates God. And he prowls and he waits. That means every time we open up this book, Satan is raging against Haynes Creek because he hates God. That means that every time your marriage reflects the obedience and the faithfulness of Christ to His church, every time your marriage reflects faithfulness and love and self-emptying sacrifice, that would make Satan rage against you and your wife all the more because he hates what it stands for. It stands for Jesus. If your life reflects Christ in any way, much less a self-emptying, sacrificial, Christ-honoring, gospel-centered life, you better believe Satan is coming at you with whatever thing he has because that's the only thing he has left. His hatred. Because he knows he's going to lose. And that's another reason, and just a side point here, that's another reason Satan hates life and Satan is the ultimate progenitor of the entire abortion culture because Satan has been told that his demise will come from birth. It came from a woman. Satan hates life. Satan sure as heck hates adoption because what does adoption do? It's what it stands for. The gospel. I want this church, I want our marriages, I want our friendships, I want our bonds at this church to be something that Satan loathes and hates. Because he hates light, he hates truth, and he hates love. And we know that these things are ultimately the things that are going to (laughs) win. And what we know honestly is that daddy wins. That's the best part of the story is God wins. We're on the winning team. This family is the only thing standing at the end. 
Some of us come from really, really cruddy homes. Some of us have family we don't even get along with. But at the end of the day, what we believe as Christians is that one, we're fighting for the souls of those who are our blood kin. But what we also know is we have the hope that even at the end of the day when our own family disowns us, we have a family who stands on the precious blood of Christ. That's our hope. One of the greatest lies in the church today is that Satan is doing his best work somewhere out there. Uh, yeah, he's, oh man. You know, uh, some people, when I talk about the work of Christ, they have like some group they don't like. And they're like, well, Satan must be over there and Christ must be in here. Don't think so low of Satan to think that he doesn't have a personal intention with the relationships that exist in this church. Don't think that just because we're in Christ and we're, we're adopted in Christ, it says in Romans 8 that we're awaiting our adoption as sons of God. We are waiting for Him to return. That's why we're groaning. So until then, we are fighting envy, lust, greed, jealousy. We're fighting things that flesh wants and Satan does too. And we declare war on Satan, not just with evangelism, not just with prayer, but with every second that we repent of our sin and we declare Jesus as Lord and Father as the, as, up in heaven. Righteous life and a righteous, loving life are the ways that we declare war on Satan. And so I wanted to end with this. The battle between God and Satan will rage on, but we know who wins. But we only will win the war because it was won on Calvary. And getting back to adoption, the one thing I love about the gospel most is if anybody has a claim to anything, it's Jesus. Jesus is the natural son. Jesus is the biological son. He's the one standing me like... Could have been just me. He's the one who didn't do anything wrong. He's the righteous one who has all the privileges, all the honor, and He spent it all to come down in here, die in our place so that you could receive glory in heaven. He is the righteous Son. And when I sing how deep the Father's love for us, I go to the Son. The Father gave the Son and the Son said, Yes, sir. So I wanted to end with this. Are you living like a child of God? Or does your love and your affection and your friendship only extend as far as things that people can give you? Or people with your last name? Or people in your social circle? Because I'm going to tell you, if anybody reached beyond the bounds of class of social decorum. If anyone reached beyond hell and plucked people out who didn't deserve love or affection, it was our Lord. Are you living as a child of God? Or are you living as a child of Satan? Because at the end of the day, those who are the children of God will glory in Christ Jesus. And people are going to see Jesus in us because He's our brother. This morning, before we pray, I wanted to end with this. The next time you think about the cosmic war that's taking place between God and Satan, 
that war isn't just taking place outside. It's taking place in your heart. God has declared war on Satan, but in some ways, y'all, the war's already been won. It was won on the cross. And that's what's going to keep us going in this battle until He comes. The one truth we have, the one precious blood-bought truth that we can still celebrate every single Sunday is, yeah, Jesus hasn't come back, but we've already been adopted. That's what gives us joy, and that's what keeps us living as children of God. Let's pray. Lord, It's with reverence that I call You the Son of God, King. But it's with the knowledge that I've been adopted into Your family that I also call You brother. Keep the reality and the beauty of our adoption ever present in our minds and our hearts and our souls so that we can live as those who have been redeemed and those who have been given all the legal rights and privileges of heirs of your kingdom. Lord, you and your bottomless love, you sought out criminals and rebels and you made them children and you made them relatives and we know not why other than that you are a magnificent loving God who loves unlovable people. And that's the love you ask of us. A love without end and a love that doesn't count for anything other than we were redeemed by the gospel and we love others with that same gospel. Lord, remind us of every good thing we have in Christ Jesus and remind us of every awesome, precious truth we have as adopted sons and daughters. And all these things we ask in your son's name. Amen.